Hi guys, welcome to a special episode of Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel, where we are getting into breaking news in the true crime world. The Gilgo Beach murders traumatized and captivated Long Island for more than a decade, almost 13 years to be exact. Sex workers found tied up, their bodies wrapped in camouflage burlap, dumped like trash in Gilgo Beach. Burner phones, pizza crust, DNA on burlap. A New York City architect has been charged now with killing three women and possibly more. With me today is Billy Jensen, investigative journalist and also the co-host of the podcast Unraveled, Long Island Serial Killer. Today I get to ask all sorts of questions about what's going on in the Gilgo Beach serial killer investigation and get to the bottom of what happened and where we are going forward. So here we go with Billy Jensen and all the latest news on the Gilgo Beach serial killer. So, Billy, thank you for joining me. I want to know, first of all, when did this case take a new turn and get new life into it? It got new life into it when a new administration took over. Rodney Harrison, the new uh, Suffolk County police chief, and Ray Tierney, the new DA, came in. And they said right away that this was a priority for them, which is pretty impressive and it's pretty kind of unprecedented when you think about it. When you think about all the problems that you have in a county as large as Suffolk County on Long Island, you know, we're talking about millions of people and they said they are going, you know, one of their priorities is a murder case from 12 years ago. They really did uh, step up and they really did uh, take over from a a bunch of different administrations that either did nothing because they were corrupt, because they were negligent, because they just didn't have the skills to do it. And how long was that that they came in and restarted this? They came in in the in January of 2022. Okay, so not long ago. Not long ago, they hit the ground running. Okay, so tell. Let's back up for one second. Tell people about what you. Uh, your podcast and what you did with Unraveled and how deep you got into this and why this stood out to you. With Unraveled, what we wanted to do was investigate the investigation. Um, why had this not been solved earlier? And a lot of things that have come out recently um, kind of point to it. What happened with the Long Island serial killer case is that they found four bodies um, on the beach uh, very close to each other on Gilgo Beach along Ocean Parkway on the South Shore of Long Island. Then as they kept searching, they found six more bodies uh, in various states of decomposition in various states. Some of them were, were dismembered. Um, now, these four, four, the four victims, what we call the Gilgo Four, which is Melissa, Maureen, Megan, and Amber, they were all found in a similar place uh, they were all, uh, or at least uh, what, what we know of, uh, most of them were wrapped in burlap. They were all petite white women who were working in the sex work trade, and they were using the internet to find clients. Now, the other victims, which were uh, Valerie Mack and Jessica Taylor, which who were also sex workers, but they had been killed even before the internet really became a place to find sex workers. Uh, there was Peaches and the Baby, who is a black woman, black female, and her body uh, was initially, and this was a story that I, I initially covered when I was on Long Island as a journalist, you know, 20 years ago before, uh, you know, uh, Long Island Serial Killer was even a thing. 
um, and her baby, they were found. And then there was a Fire Island Jane Doe and a what they call biological Asian male in women's clothing is the last victim. So oh, wow. you had you had 10 victims out on this uh, stretch of beach, which is. You know, I want to say, you know, Long Island, people think of it's 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 just one Long Island, but it, there's an island and then there's an island underneath it. And that's what um, uh, what Jones Beach is, is Jones Beach, there's Gilgo Beach and then there's uh, Oak Park. So um, or Oak Beach. And that is all uh, where these bodies were found. The what we learned is that after a year of investigation, there was a new police chief whose name was James Burke. He took over the investigation and he immediately kicks out the FBI. Why does he do that? Why do you kick out the most sophisticated crime solving unit in the history of the world out of your serial, serial killer investigation? And we learn is that it's because he did not want them sniffing around his dirty laundry because he was a corrupt cop. And he did a lot of bad things. He did frequent sex workers um, and there were even, there were rumors that he might have even been involved with the, with the uh, Long Island serial killer case, but he definitely was involved in stunting it because we never heard anything after that first year when there was back and forth as to whether there was one killer, multiple killers, that kind of thing. There still was a lot of news uh, that was going on in the uh, in the press. Once he took over, we didn't hear anything for years. Mm-hmm. And it's because he just wanted to shut it down. It was too close to home for him. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you a question about Shannon Gilbert. She's the girl that this, she triggered the hunt, right. For, mm-hmm. for all these bodies that were found. Um, I recently listened to the 22 minute nine one one call. I listened to all the details surrounding that situation. Um, I, I guess my question out of that, and I want to get into the details with you in a second, but do you think there could be more than one murderer here? More than one murderer? Yeah. Is what you're saying? Uh, I think there's definitely more than one murderer. Uh, I think, I think Rex is a, is the killer of the Gilgo four. Uh, He's been verified based on DNA that were, that was found on the, you know, and then also so many other things cell phone records, uh, his Google search term, certainly. But uh, when you get to Valerie Mack and Jessica Taylor, that's another killer. When you get to Peaches and the Baby, that might be another killer. I think we're looking at probably four killers, uh, at least. Uh, but when we and get... Could they, in your opinion, could they be related? Do they know of each other's work? Or it's just, it happened to be a dumping ground, so to speak, that was easy to dump a body. There are dumping. Yeah, that's happened before. It's happened before. You know, there was there was the I-5 killer in California and they kept saying, oh, this is an I-5. It turns out there were three different I-5 killers in the killing fields of Texas. uh, There were bodies that were found, you know, yards away from each other. That turns out they were killed by different um, different killers. They don't necessarily know each other. No, they just happen to use this this place as a dumping ground. Right, right. As far as Shannon Gilbert goes, when you listen to the Shannon Gilbert call, it's it's tragic um, and it's incredibly frightening. And she did kick off this entire thing. Um, but, you know, a lot of people believe that Shannon Gilbert and the police 
certainly have said this, that she died of misadventure. She died of um, uh, having some sort of a, a psychotic break or something. She r- ran away from her client. She was she had a a date with a client in um, in the Oak Beach community. She, uh, for whatever reason, ran away, started knocking on doors, and then and also ran away from her driver, who was there to kind of follow her and protect her. And she ran away from the driver as well. And then she uh, ended up being found in the marsh uh, well after all of these other women were found. But Shannon is so important because, like you said, Shannon kicked off this investigation. We might never have known if not for Shannon. So is it is it known at this point that she's probably not one of the people that was murdered? I mean, I think there was a lot of speculation for a while. And I've heard some people talking about it, about whether or not she fell into, you know, she ran into rex that night and he happened to be there i mean obviously these people are just speculating because everyone's only hearing about rex at the moment Um, Mm -hmm. but do you think it's completely unrelated i think it's completely unrelated i think when you're looking at melissa maureen megan and amber uh, they all follow the same trajectory um, the same mo when you're looking at um, you know, they didn't have a driver. That's probably one of the most important things. They didn't have a driver. And we know that Shannon did have a driver. So, you know, you yeah. just take it from there. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's get into how uh, they actually found this man. Um, and we talked about why it took so long. Um, did you, was he on your radar? I know you've been covering this for a long time. Is he someone whose name you had heard before? No. No, and there weren't any names really, as far as Long Island serial killer goes. There was never any names. I mean, you might see a name pop up here or there, the sort of "what about this guy" scenario, where people uh-huh. might, you know, the names that were out there were, um, you know, the own. I don't even want to mention his name because uh, um, because it's 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 false. But uh, who had died by suicide? Who owned the Long Island Aquarium out in Riverhead? That sort of thing. There were there were names that were bopped about like that, but this guy, no, this guy was not on anybody's radar. Right. So this guy, um, you know, burner phones, pizza crust, DNA on burlap. He's a New York City architect that was charged with at this point three killings, right, and potentially the fourth. He's charged with three killings. He will be charged with the fourth at some he point. Uh, it okay. seems like what happened was. This is an incredibly interesting case in the way that they, not even the way that they solved it, but the way that they were building the case. Mm-hmm. The way that they solved it, forget about the pizza crust. Everybody everybody is focusing on the pizza crust. It makes a good headline. They took a picture of the pizza crust. It's not how they solved it. It's how they verified it, but it's not how they solved it. How they solved it was with the investigation into Amber and how Amber was murdered. Now, this is what it comes down to. And this is one of the main reasons why this easily could have been, I don't want to say easily, this could have been solved 12 years ago. Amber used to, Amber was a sex worker. She used to roll Johns, which means that she would, she would invite a John over to her house and then uh, pretend to have a date with them. And then a quote unquote boyfriend would show up threaten the John and then they would empty the John's pockets. The John would, wouldn't want to say anything about it. And then that would be it. So she wouldn't have to uh, have sex with the John. The John would give the money and then that would be it. 
Mm. Now we have learned that she that and when we knew that she had done this, that this was all knowledge. It was knowledge on the message boards that that this was one of the things that she would do. Now, what we learn from the uh, the court documents after Rex was arrested is that two days prior to her going missing, she had a date with someone. Uh, the guy shows up, the quote unquote boyfriend shows up, says, you know, what are you doing here with my girlfriend? That kind of thing. Gets the money. The guy leaves. The guy is described as having bushy brown hair, glasses, like big giant glasses, um, and is a giant of a man, you know, 6'4 to 6'6, six, six, uh, heavy, and drives a dark colored Chevy Avalanche. Mm -hmm. Now, with all of that information, and this comes from the boyfriend, quote unquote boyfriend who, who, who jumped in. Now, with all of that information, you triangulate that with the fact that we know that the killer was calling from Massapequa Park in Massapequa area, uh, calling the victim's um, uh, Melissa's sister, taunting Melissa's sister, um, after he had killed her, we know he was calling from Midtown Manhattan as well. It's not that much of a stretch to go, let's search for all of the people that drive a Chevy Avalanche, which on Long Island is not that common of a car, mm -hmm. a dark Chevy Avalanche that live in Massapequa, and then narrow that down to how many of those people are over six foot four. And then you should have been able to get that name and then look into him. And then you would be able to find all of this other things. The pieces were there. They were never put together. Right. And that's one of the biggest and the most frustrating things that came to me when they were uh, during the press conference is that you, sh you see them doing a victory lap. You see them showing the pizza crust. It's no, it's just the pieces were all there. Somebody had to put them together. Thankfully, this new administration did put them together, but they were there for Suffolk County for a dozen years. I'm so excited to tell you guys about our new sponsor, Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that you can personalize to your own taste and lifestyle. I try to be very conscious of what I eat, and I love that everything in Green Chef is pre-proportioned for me without having to measure. And as the only keto meal kit, Green Chef makes sticking to a carb-conscious lifestyle so easy. I take my health very seriously, and I love it that Green Chef does as well. By bringing me seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. It's summertime, which means if you're like me, you're busier than ever with activities, kids at home, holidays. And what I love about Green Chef is that everything is done for you. All you have to do is throw it together, and it's ready in literally less than 30 minutes. It's so fast. It's really going to save me time this summer with my crazy schedule, and it will totally save you time. And not only that, the food is so good. I'm personally so excited to try the lemon basil caper pork with sautéed cauliflower, bell pepper, almonds, and feta cheese. It looks so good good and healthy. And oh my gosh, I'm looking here. The fig and prosciutto pita pizzas with feta, mozzarella, tomato, and kale salad with hazelnuts look like an amazing and super fast lunch option that even my daughter Wyatt is excited to try. 
I have to admit the cooking is not my favorite activity. And not only that, I really suck at it, but I do love great food. And actually, I also love staying home. So Green Chef is going to be the best of both worlds for me. So give Green Chef a try today. Use our special discount code for a great deal. You're not going to believe this. You get 60% off plus free shipping. So go to greenchef.com slash understood60 and use code understood60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's all lowercase, by the way. And again, that's greenchef.com slash understood60 and use code understood60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. So how long do you think they've been surveilling him? They were surveilling him since the beginning of 2022 and spring of 2022, it seems like. So uh, that's another question I have. You know, the biggest questions I have are, the first is, has he killed other people? Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. The second is, who killed these other six women and and the biological Asian male in women's clothing and and the, the baby? out on Ocean Parkway. So those are the first two biggest questions. But the third question is, is how were they able to ensure the safety of women that he was still seeing while they were quote unquote surveilling him? Was he under under surveillance 24 hours a day? How did they make sure that he wasn't killing any more people while they were watching him for over a year? And they still haven't told us that. Well, could it be possible that he did this a decade ago and then stopped, you know, getting involved with sex workers or you, you think that he was still involved? Oh, he was still, they said he was still seeing sex workers mm. up until this year, like up until they arrested him, this was still his thing. He was still seeing sex workers. So there was a possibility of him murdering these sex workers. I think he knew that the police were on him. Um, uh, at least he knew that of the investigation, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, the Golden State Killer case, which is another case that I was involved in, the uh, there was no evidence that he had been searching for the Golden State Killer investigation, that he had read Michelle McNamara's book or anything like that. With this, we know that he had, do, had been doing searches for Long Island serial killer. He had been doing searches for the victims' names. Uh, he knew about the investigation and what was going on. He was keeping abreast of everything. Right. And and what do we know about his family? I mean, we know he is a husband. He has two kids, right? And seemed like a quiet, Mm -hmm. average dude. Um, How likely is it that his wife didn't know he was, you know, he had a, a, you know, a liking for younger women who were sex workers? I mean, is it possible his wife had no idea uh, what he was doing? I think it's very likely it, it, you know, one of the things, and this was a theory that a lot of people had is that he was married, that he had his own house and that he, uh, he did these murders during a time because a lot of the murders were over um, weekends or holidays and that, that sort of thing when somebody else would potentially be on vacation. And it turns out that was true. She had Mm -hmm. gone to Iceland. She had gone to Maryland during this time. So when she would go away, that's when he would go and frequent the sex workers. So it's very likely that she had absolutely no idea. And I've seen things being written and about and message boards just because her hair was found, you know, two of her hairs were found on um, one of the victims that, oh, she had to have been involved or anything, but there's, you know, hairs are easily transferable. Um, think about how many hairs that you might have of your significant other on your right. clothing or whatever. So 
Uh, still needs to be looked into, but it's very possible that she had no idea. So people, for people who are not following the case that closely, can you talk about um, the scene kind of, can you talk about what it's like in Oak Beach, um, where this all happened, how far away it is from where Rex lives? Yeah. So Rex lives in Massapequa and Oak Beach. Um, think of it this way. There's a smaller island underneath Long Island, and it, it's also a very long strip of land. There are two ways to get to it. There's two parkways, Wanta Parkway and Robert Moses Parkway. Uh, he would have gotten there from Massapequa, uh, from uh, Dan Wantaw Parkway, um, driving along Oak Beach. Uh, it's only, you know, five or six miles from his house. And, uh, you know, th- we were always thinking that he probably would have come through the other way because the bodies were all dumped on the north side, which means that the person would have to be going west as opposed to be going east which is where the way that he would have been going. So um, he traversed Ocean Parkway a lot probably and found a place that was uh, a good um, depositing ground. I don't like to use the term dumping ground, depositing ground where he uh, knew that a car wouldn't show up. He wouldn't be able to see, uh, a car wouldn't be able to see him for a while. And what he did was he, Put the body over his, uh, you know, probably over his back. He was a big man. These were all very uh, tiny women, uh, you know, usually around 100 pounds. And he would walk over and then toss them into the bramble. And the bramble would have been, you know, a lot of them very well might have been, you know, it's not. And this wasn't on the edge of the sea. This was in a bay. So there would be a, um, there was bramble, there was the road, then there was bramble, and then there there was a um, a bay. So it wouldn't be out in the ocean. There wasn't any ocean type uh, waves or anything like that that would have disrupted that scene. But, um, you know, all it might have taken was a couple of hurricanes and, you know, everything would have been really disrupted. And it's not a gated community, right? I mean, even though they call it a community, obviously you can get in easy and not live there. Oh, you can get Oak Beach is a gated community. So where Shannon went, she had to go through a gate and everything. Um, and we looked a lot at the Oak Beach community and in Unraveled because there's a lot of weird things that go on there. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of power power brokers that that are there. Um, even the, the original power broker uh, in New York, uh, Robert Moses, uh, who who wielded so much control over New York and the New York roadways and really you know everything that was going on in terms of infrastructure in New York lived there. But the um, no, there's there's not in order to get down uh, along Ocean Parkway, there's no you know, you don't go, really go through anything other than, you know, the tolls for Jones Beach or whatever. But yeah. Right. And just to get back to Shannon for one second, did they look heavily at all the people in the neighborhood? Did they look heavily at um, the guy's house she was visiting and the driver and all that as well. And uh, when they were looking at the other murders as well, they did the other bodies they found. They did just because, because Shannon, Shannon's case was looked at very closely mm-hmm. because that was the one that kicked everything off. That was the one where they had the 911 call. That was the one that they, um, that had so much, you know, because her family was so vocal Mm-hmm. And it was the one that captured the public's imagination and kept it in the press for so long. Yeah. 
So they looked at everybody in that neighborhood, everybody that, you know, and there were a lot of weird characters in that neighborhood. It was, you know, Oak Beach is a place where you go where you don't want to be bothered. You know, it really is. It's at the the very end of this other island that's at the bottom of Long Island. And it's good. So, so many people, I mean, you just put on, put Gilgo Beach on Google and there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of articles at this point and speculation and just regurgitating the news. What is something that's important that people are missing in this or that people should know? Um, so they're not just kind of reading the same headlines and w- what's important to the story for, for you to get across. I think the important thing for the story is that it's not over. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, he's going to be charged with four murders. He's been charged with three. He will be charged with the fourth one. Mm-hmm. I think, um, the most important thing for me is that we still have six victims that were found along ocean parkway that we still don't know what happened to them. And, um, you know, even I think Ray Tierney kind of slipped up in the press conference that he said that this is over and it's, it's not over, you know, um, he, you know, the Gilgo four that might be over, but we still don't know who killed these six victims. So that's the big I think that's so important to mention because anytime I've heard people talking about this, they assume that we're talking about all 10 mm-hmm. um, and they assume that he's the guy that did it all. And I think that's really interesting um, that you are reminding us that they're, you don't think that they're tied together and there's a possibility that there's more than one person out there that we haven't found yet. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much difference between the victims when you're looking at the victimology. The victimology between Melissa, Maureen, Megan, and Amber are so similar when we're looking at Peaches and the Baby and Fire Island Doe and and Jessica and Valerie. They're just Jessica and Valerie are very similar, but the other ones are so different. Different time periods, you know, um, different races, different uh, just everything is just a different makeup. And the fact that we don't even know, you, you know, there's six other victims. We don't know, even know who four of them are. You know, we don't even have their identity. So they need to keep on hammering at that. And, um, you, you know, there's no reason to think that they won't uh, have success with at least some of them because they put their money where their mouth is. You know, they took over an investigation that had gone through so much corruption, so much negligence, and they were able to really hit the ground running. And within months of them taking it over, they they got the name of Rex. Mm-hmm. I'm cur- curious, uh, how long did it take over the span of how much time to find all these bodies? Was it one year that all these, it wasn't bodies either. It was parts. Yeah. Well, the part, yeah. So they found Melissa, Maureen, Megan, and Amber pretty quickly, you know, within Mm -hmm. days of each other, Uh, they were found so close together. And then. But how long did they, did they say that they had been decomposing? Do you know? Um, yeah, we know because we know, you know, when they had gone missing. So it was within, oh, right. okay. yeah. So, um, but when, when and to clarify out, for our listeners, so how long had those girls been missing by the time they were been found? Missing for, um, about anywhere between six months to a year. Okay. Yeah. And was there an actual cause of death for each one that was, they never on? told us. Wow. Yeah. They never told us. And, and I think they still haven't told us they did. You know, the, one of the things that they did say at the press conference was that, there was binding of the victims and binding of the head, uh, the the chest area, and then the feet. So that was that was something that uh, we had not heard before. But mm-hmm. as far as cause of death goes, they had not told us that. And 
Is it interesting to you that they, the police have been recovering large numbers of guns from Rex's home? Uh, sure. I mean, he, he had 92, apparently um, 92 guns. They weren't all at his home, apparently, but uh, um, 92 legal guns. Uh, that's cer- certainly interesting. We don't know whether, you know, that's probably you, you'd have to think that's probably one of the ways that he exerted control over some of these victims. Not that he needed it because he was six, four, you know, two, so four. He was yeah. so much bigger than these women, um, but he probably used a gun in order to exert control. But we haven't heard anything about whether those were used as actual weapons. So he's in custody now, right? He's in jail and he's pleading not guilty. Yes. Um, so he's back in court when? I think I read August 1st. Yeah. Um, and do we assume he's going to get out on bail while things are oh, happening? No. What, what are your what are your no, thoughts? He's not, he's not getting out on bail. No, no, they're not going to let this guy out on bail. Uh, he'll stay in there. He did say, apparently, he whispered under his breath. They heard him say, I didn't do this. Um, you know, we have to let the the um, the justice system, you know, Pan out, yeah. go through it. But uh, he, he looks in- incredibly good for this. And, you know, verifying it with the when you take the fact of, you know, there, there was a lot of cell phone um, data, a lot of cell phone where the cell phones were pinging, the the way that they were able to um, monitor his cell phones and the burner phone. So he he bought a different burner phone for each victim. Um, and, um, you know, he really felt like he was covering his tracks and they might not have been able to pin it on him so clearly had he not left those hairs on the victims um what they would have had was the cell phone pinging and um the victims te- or the um the survivor's testimony at least of that that boyfriend uh, quote unquote from amber's case who said he drove a chevy avalanche and then you know his google searches that's really all they would have had so having that physical evidence was big right. and also, one of the things that that should be noted is that, like we were saying, they were monitoring him for for a really long time. They verified with DNA that it was him over a year ago. Mm-hmm. So what was he doing during that year? And um, what else could they have uh, uh, been waiting for in order to arrest him? You know, why were they waiting this long? And apparently, I think they were trying to pin all four on him. Um, and uh, I believe Maureen was the one that they weren't able to get. But um, and then they rushed this because they they said that they felt that the public might be uh, at harm. So maybe he was he was ramping up to kill again. But he knew I think he knew people were, were at least watching him. Yeah. If you were working on his defense team, what would you come up with to get him out of this? Oh God, Rachel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know, he's not gonna do a, a insanity play. I don't see mm-hmm. that. I think he's going to if he's doing not guilty uh right now, I think he's gonna he's gonna try and do some sort of circumstantial thing, like my hair got in there because of some reason or another, you know, that's the sort of thing. And and um, but he's really not gonna have much of a chance. And it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to, you know, the, the because he is pleading not guilty, 
we're going to look at a trial as opposed to the last big case that was solved that was a cold case that was a serial killer case which is golden state killer he eventually pled guilty we didn't have to see a trial so everybody on long island knew about this this case how are you going to be able to find a a jury pool that is going to not know that much information about it that's going to be really interesting as well so there's a lot of hoops that we have to jump through to make sure that this guy is going to be, you know, in prison for the rest of his life. Uh, out of curiosity, do you know if his wife was in court with him when he uh, went in? I didn't see her. I didn't see her. So, so no. And will they televise uh, what's going to be going forward? Do you That's think? a good question. I probably not. Um, they've been televising things less and less. Um, mm. You know, I think everybody learned some of the lessons from the OJ trial. The I team. was going to say, it's not like the OJ days anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Unfortunately, you know. because that was super interesting to watch well, and see it, how it, it unfolded, you know. It was. And I think, you know, I always tell people when people ask me about what, why, why, how did true crime get so big? And it's, it's, it started, it had always been there. And it actually had been in the in the twenty from the twenties up until you know the seventies. It was more for men. If you take mm-hmm. a look at the magazines, the true crime magazines, and look at the ads, the ads were more about how to look fit and be taller and all of these kind of men's things. Mm-hmm. And then you got some novels and you got a little bit of you know you know TV programs. But it was the OJ trial that really got people into forensics and DNA and and that sort of thing. Then we got CSI after that. People got really into that on a fictional level. And, you know, everything was, the appetite was wet. And um, then Serial came out and then it it exploded. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I want to go back to one thing you were saying. You were talking about Amber, who had said, who you had gotten with the information from the boyfriend, right? It was at Amber, um, about his height and his glasses and all this stuff. So she had had this interaction with him and obviously lived that time. What's the speculation of how she got back in front of him? That he, he wrote, he texted her again, again, they had, they they seemingly had all of this information Uh before. And it, it just, this is what's angering me about this case, but he had texted her saying that wasn't very nice. I want a credit for next time. And, and the next the next time was two days later. Apparently, she told he told her not to bring her cell phone. He told her, I'm not going to your house. I'm going to meet you down the street. And that was the last time her her roommate saw her was walking down the house, uh, walking out of the house and then walking down to the end of the street where she got into a car. Wow. And then uh, that was it. Wow. OK. Very sad. Um Okay, so where do we go from here? What do you expect us this week? I feel like every day there's, you know, a new article being written about it. What do you see happening going forward now? You know what it is because this did happen on a Friday, we're going to see new information um because you know, we're, we'll see new information come out today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be a lull and people have to understand that. And hopefully that lull is not uh, you know, it's a vacuum and you don't want that vacuum to be um, filled with, you know, rumors or innuendo. Speculation. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Speculation. Um, people, this is the thing is that they've got to move, they've got to um, build this case against him, which they have. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they had 300 subpoenas. This was a grand jury case. Kudos to the grand jury for not saying anything. Imagine being on that grand jury and oh, no yeah. one working on the Long Island serial killer case and not having to, um, you know, you know, keeping your mouth shut, which is fantastic. So, so, yeah. you know, they did everything. Um, they really wanted to do everything by the book. So there wasn't any, any, you know, mess ups, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see August 1st, he comes back. Um, we might learn a little bit more there and then there will be these lulls and that that's what's going to happen. And I just want to make sure that we are looking at the, uh, the six other victims as mm-hmm. well as looking at this guy and where else he has been. Um, serial killers do just stop. But that is true. They stopped because Golden State Killer very well might have stopped because he learned about DNA and he stopped right around the time that the first DNA case had 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 come up in the press. Uh, that might have been the reason because he was all about self-preservation. This guy very well might have done the same thing, might have stopped because of the same reason. Yeah. Not sure. But um, we've got to look at everything, um, every timeline of where this guy has been and anybody who had gone missing. Um, that's the problem, though, when you're dealing with uh, women who work in the sex work trade. A lot of times they might travel around. They're not necessarily um, reported as being missing. So it's yeah. going to be tough to tie him to other things. But um, are these just his four and, and that's it? It's it's kind of weird to think that he just decided when he was you know 40 years old um, that he's just going to start killing people and then stop within a year and then that's it. Right, right. So I'm sure people are going to go back now and be listening to your Unraveled podcast and you told me why you got into it to begin with. But um, how long did it take you to come up with that? How, what kind of research were you doing? You were there on site, all that. Yeah, we're, we're there on site. Me and my partner, Alexis Linkletter, we went... Um, in the middle of the pandemic, you know, cause she had known the, the, uh, man that James Burke, the disgraced, uh, police, um, uh, head of the police who had kicked the FBI out of the investigation. She had known the man who, um, he had beaten up and violated his civil rights. So, uh, getting that interview, uh, finding out, you know, certain things about James Burke and, you know, the reason why James Burke did beat that, that kid up is that kid robbed James Burke's uh, car in front of his house in Smithtown, New York. And inside were, uh, sex toys and DVDs, uh, porno, porno, pornographic DVDs. And, um, there's, a lot of speculation as to what was on those DVDs. Chris said they were, it looked like a snuff film. He had said before that it might've been child pornography. We don't know what, what was on there. Uh, we've never seen the the back again, but there was, um, you know, dildos and anal beads and all this other things. Burke got so upset about that, that he went to this kid's house, you know, sent the detectives there, brought him into the state, the police station, uh, chained him to the floor and then beat the hell out of him. And that's the reason why Burke went to jail. Now, Burke is out right now. Hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, and people are looking at, and I certainly did too. I did, I, the first thing I did was I went and did searches for Hurman and Burke and see if they were related in any way, hmm. if they ever knew each other in any way, because that was one of the ideas is that, you know, this might have been a boys' club. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we still don't know. We have no yeah. idea. And I also was curious, like if they had tried to tie him with anyone on in that area, like that they were going to their house to use their house or something like that. And why he mm-hmm. picked that area, I find 
you know, interesting. Um, do you have any new shows coming out in the future? Any new crimes that you're obsessed with right now that um, you think needs to be revisited that should yeah. be solved? Tell me about that. I, I have a book that's available for uh, pre-sale on Amazon called Killers Amidst Killers, which is about um, serial killing and addiction, opioid addiction in um, in America. And uh, that is a, those cases. There's a lot of them in the, the heartland, really, in Ohio and and uh, Illinois. And the cases that I'm looking at now, you know, there's uh, two women that have gone missing and, and wound up being murdered in Portland. Uh, similar cases to the ones that I was covering, too. So taking a look at, at Portland right now and seeing what's going on there. Well, I really appreciate your time. I think this story is going to be, get very interesting very quickly. And, um, you know, maybe we'll be in touch with you again. But thank you so much for being on. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review. You can support the show by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. Do you have ideas for the show or want to reach out? Email us at info misunderstood podcast at gmail.com. That's spelled M-I-S-S understood. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Misunderstood.